Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us at Frontline Community Online. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, to love God, love others, and to help others love God. Now we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. During this podcast, you'll hear from our lead pastor, John Maroos, discussing fear and anxiety and how God turns our chaos into good. We're so honored to be a part of your day, and we hope that you'll be blessed by today's podcast. What's going on, Frontline? Good to see you guys uh, virtually out there. My name is John Maroos. I'm the lead pastor here at Frontline, and uh, thank you for visiting with us, tuning in. Uh, through live stream. And right before we jump into the Word of God, I got a couple things for you guys. As you know, we've been doing things quite differently around, around here. So we got a couple ways for you to stay connected until these doors open again and we can gather again. As a matter of fact, on our website, we have a new tab and it's called Stay Connected. I want you to visit it. And it's our way of staying connected with you. There's four different uh, sections on that tab once you open it up so you can stay connected to us. The first one is called Sunday Online. And you can watch all of our live stream uh, Sunday services in that area. Also, we have another section called Weekly Encouragement. And that is a, a sermon or a devo from one of our pastors that we will upload every single week. And uh, if you are all of a sudden a homeschool parent because your kids are out of school, we have a section on there for our kids. And we've got tons of Bible lessons and tons of cartoons that are Bible-based if your kids are driving you crazy uh, at home. And then I'm really excited about this. Our fourth section on Stay Connected is called Love Your Neighbor. And uh, depending on where you're at in the world as you're watching this, you got to follow your laws and what's going on out there. You got to be wise out there. But we have, we have a little half sheet piece of paper that you can print off in your home. And you can go into your neighborhood. You can stick these on your neighbor's door. And it is a way for your neighbor to fill it out and to contact you if they're elderly or they cannot get out of their house. And you can do things like buy groceries for them and bless them and be the light during this time. Again, all of this is on our website under our Stay Connected tab on our homepage. And so we're very excited about that. These doors are going to open soon. And I don't care what month it is, we are going to have Easter Sunday up in this place. So until then, stay connected. Hey, right now, if you're on Facebook or YouTube or whatever is going on in your world, I want you to message someone right now. Invite them to listen to this sermon, and uh, God's going to do some very special things. I want everyone to comment in the comment section if you're on YouTube or Facebook. As a matter of fact, I want you to comment right now and tell me where you are at in the world, and then I want you to practice. I want you to type amen. I want you to get excited. I don't care if it's nine in the morning. In the States, I want you to get excited because we're pumped here at Frontline today. Let's dive into this thing. Romans chapter 8, I got something for you. Romans chapter 8 in your Bibles, on your iPads. Write some notes down. Talk to your families uh, about this message right here. I'm pretty excited to get us pumped up and full of hope. I want to talk to us today about waiting. About waiting. Because no matter where you're at in the world right now, you are waiting. I just read a headline that said a fourth of our world right now 
is in some form of lockdown or shutdown. So we are all waiting right now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to title this sermon, While We Wait, He Works. While, he wait, while we wait, he works. And let me just be bold, and this is your first chance to type amen. I, I just want to say right now, I hate waiting. I hate waiting. Um, I'm, I'm passionate about my hate for waiting. I, I meet a lot of people in my vocation as a pastor, and I meet a lot of people with some wacky passions, fun passions, unique passions. Uh, some people are passionate about travel and food and horses and soccer I have never met anybody who is passionate about waiting. I don't know anybody who's like, uh, the moment I'm in a waiting room, I come alive. Like, that's my, that's my jam. That's my vibe right there. I love that moment when uh, I'm, I'm 121 on the little piece of paper in Ikea, and I got 60 people in front of me. I just, that's, I love being fully present in the moment of waiting. We hate waiting. Someone type Amen. I don't care if it's texting. We got new texting ethics, don't we? And if you don't respond in like six seconds, it's like you violated someone through texting. Like the three-dot hesitation is one of the worst things in our culture now. When you're waiting for that return text and you got those three dots, it's like, dude, just, just push send. The beach ball of death on the Mac. The beach ball of death on the Mac. When your computer is sitting there stalling, we do not like waiting. And, and truth be known, like seriously though, guys, I think the reason we don't like waiting is because we are made in the image of God. God has put his mark in our soul, and God is a doer. God knows how to sit. He knows how to be still. But God is a doer. And all the way back in the book of Genesis, we know that we were made to do. And one of the weirdest parts about our world right now is that we can't do much. We can't do much but, but read the news, which is probably one of the worst things we can do right now. And, and when we have to wait, like in these moments right now, when we have to wait, it almost seems like a bug in the system. It almost seems like something has radically gone wrong in our world, and we almost don't know how to process it or respond to the waiting. And waiting is bad enough. Like, dude, I, I don't like waiting. Like, I don't, I don't like two-day shipping anymore. Waiting is bad enough, but when you add an element of fear in the waiting, when all of a sudden we are in a situation that intensifies through something like the coronavirus, and we're, not, we're now all waiting with a new element of fear. That makes waiting even harder in our worlds. And, and, and I'm asking myself this question. I was talking to our staff this week, and, and I was like, what's, what's the hardest part of all this? And of course, everyone goes, we're all just waiting. And, and one of the things that came up, and I think this is what I want to sit on today, I think the hardest part is when we have to ask the question, why do we have to wait through this? And, and I was thinking about God in our waiting, and it's like, if I, if I was a father, and I'm a father, if I was a father, and my kids are waiting, and they were waiting in a really bad situation, it just makes sense to me that I would dive into the situation and stop it, like I would just halt it. And so when we transfer this to God as our father, it's, it's, it's a very surreal moment, because it's like, God, why, why are we still waiting? You know, where are you at in this thing? Where, where is God at in the waiting? And so in the staff meeting, we were talking about this, and we went into a prayer time, and, and I, I just said this. I think it's from the Holy Spirit. I told our crew that waiting without purpose leads to hopelessness. 
When you're waiting and you cannot find any purpose in the waiting, it really can lead to hopelessness. But waiting with purpose creates endurance. And that's what I want to do today. That's what I want God to do today is to take this time of waiting and I want to inject some purpose in the waiting because that's going to create some endurance for God's people to get through this. And if you're here listening to this thing and you're not a Christian, man, I want you to know what you can have. I want to see the purpose that you can know in this waiting as we try to figure out in our world what we're going to do with this coronavirus. And this really is the situation as Paul, who's an early church leader, as he writes this big old letter called the Book of Romans. It's, 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 a, it's originally a letter. And he's writing to a church, and he wants to go to this church in Rome. And many of you guys have been to Rome, and it's, it's odd because that's the hotbed of the brokenness in our world right now. But he's writing this huge letter to these believers in Rome, these Christians, these Jesus followers in Rome, and they're struggling. They're struggling in the waiting. Now, their waiting is very different than ours. Um, they're being persecuted by the Roman government, and on and on I could go. But they're still in this place where they're like, you know, we're stuck here, and we're, we've lost our abilities and our freedoms, and, and we're trying to figure out how to process it. And it's one of the major themes in this book, along with many other major themes in the book of Romans. But I want to open it up. I want the Holy Spirit to open it up and, and show you how Paul injects some purpose in their waiting that allows for endurance to be born and for them to get through this, this season that they were in. And so when you read the book of Romans, like the first seven chapters are awesome. Like they're awesome. Like type awesome in the comment section. It's awesome. He's got seven chapters where he's explaining how someone comes to God through the gospel. Like he, he unpacks why Jesus came and, and how Jesus died on the cross for our sins and how we were totally undone and cast away from God and Christ lives this perfect life that we could never live and he dies on the cross. He dies a perfect death that we were supposed to die. All of this so we could brought back, be brought back into this relationship with God and there's so many like yes moments in the first seven chapters. And then he hits chapter eight and it gets a little bit better. If you look at Romans chapter eight verse one, he goes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like if you've accepted Jesus as your savior, God will never be your judge again. He's done. He's your father now and no matter how dark your days get, he'll never condemn you. He, he only pours grace on you. It's this amazing moment and, and I, I love the book up to this point and I'm just like, keep going, Paul. Like, man, being a Christian is awesome. And then all of a sudden in verse 17, this thing hits. All of a sudden we come crash landing back into this crazy reality, he writes this, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and I'm like, I'm still going, yes, and if children of God, if you've accepted Jesus as, as your Savior, you are an heir of God, you're going to inherit everything Christ is going to inherit, fellow heirs with Christ, and then he goes like this, provided we suffer with him, and it's like this, this smack in the face, it's like, Everything's been going so well, Paul. Like, what, 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 what do you mean we're supposed to suffer with Jesus? I just, I just read for seven chapters that we're sealed in Jesus. We're loved like Jesus. We're, we're redeemed and, and we're sons and daughters. And like all of a sudden we got to suffer with, 
with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And what Paul is saying is, we have to take Jesus' journey if we're going to be glorified in heaven one day like Jesus is glorified right now. And a part of Jesus' journey was suffering. And I can imagine these early Christian readers just like they're reading this letter and they're just like, yes, yes, and then bam, suffering. Why doesn't God fix the whole thing? And I love what Paul does after verse 17. He begins to inject the purpose in the pain. He begins to explain to them why they have to suffer and why they're waiting. And all of a sudden, they're strengthened greatly. I was thinking about this word wait because I, I hate it. I'm working through it. But I was thinking about this word wait and I was actually studying it in the Bible. And the Hebrew word for waiting actually means whirling in a dance. Now that kind of made me hate the word waiting more. Because when I'm waiting, I ain't dancing. And I don't dance anyway. But I, I certainly wouldn't be whirling in the air and dancing because I got to wait. Imagine this dude in a waiting room just like he's freaking out and he's spinning in the air like he would think he was crazy. And I was like, well, how can, how can waiting lead to some rejoicing dance like a madman? And, and then it hit me, guys. Listen to me very carefully no matter where you're at in the world. Listen to this. That can only be felt if you know what's happening on God's side. If we only see the waiting and we only see the suffering from our side, like all we see is CNN, and when you get tired of that, you go to Fox News, you know how we do? And then when you get tired of that, you go to USA Today and all that stuff. If we only see the waiting from our side, from an earthly perspective, it's going to be so hard to get through this. What Paul does is he goes, can I just pull back the veil? Can I pull back the curtain? And can I show you what God's doing in the waiting? Because he's not waiting. He's very active. And if you could see the Godward side of this thing, man, it would inject all kinds of endurance in what he's doing in the waiting. This is living from heaven to earth, guys. Right now, so many of us are living from earth to earth. We need to live from heaven to earth. And that's really the life of Christ. When you read him in the Gospels, is he was walking through our world and he was seeing everything from heaven to earth. And so I want to show you something, something incredibly amazing is actually happening while nothing is happening. While we sit in our homes, <laughs> while we homeschool, while, while we go to work two days a week now, we're just like waiting for something to break. I want to show you something amazing is actually happening in God's dimension. And so Paul begins to connect the dots for us and show us what God is doing to help us in the waiting. And I'm going to give you three things. Everyone type out three things. I want to see everyone in the comment section. And nobody, uh, nobody comment about my outfit. You did that last week. I was watching you. I got a different outfit on this week. I want everybody putting three things down in the comment section. Let's go get this thing. I'm fired up this week. Three things to help us in the waiting that God's doing. Here we go. Number one, write it down. Number one, we're waiting in the birth pains which means a delivery is coming. Write that down. Let me say it again. Paul says we're waiting in the birth pains, which means a delivery is coming. 
Now, you moms, I was talking to my wife about this. I'm like, hey, can you help me understand the Bible? And this is always really stupid to me. I'm like, can you explain to me, like, what it feels like having birth pains? Because I really want to get into the scripture. And then I ran out of the house because she was threatening me terribly. So let me just leave it alone. This is a manward side to this thing. But I love this concept, guys, that we are in the birth pains. A lot of times we're going like this right now. What is going on in our worlds? What is going on in our worlds? And I want to say something. I don't want to lack compassion here at all, but I want you to understand something. And this may not be emotionally satisfying, but it's theologically solid. Like, we need to understand this and embrace this, guys. The human story is broken. The human project is broken, okay? What has happened in this world is it's leaning. It's cracked. Now, look at Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 18. Look at the beauty in the brokenness. But, but first he's going to explain the brokenness. Look at verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be real, revealed in us. Let me read it again. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Now, you ought to underline in your Bible, the glory. If you think about what's going on down here, are you guys listening out there? Are you listening? I'm watching you in your house. I hope you're listening. This is good stuff right here. He says, what's happening to us right here is not compared to what God is going to do one day. He's going to break this thing open. Now, look at the brokenness in verse 19. This is so, this, this actually soothed my, my soul this week. He says in verse 19, for the creation, I want you to think about this. Now, I live, I live in a rural area here in Germany, a beautiful place. There are horses and there are hawks. There are deer and there are fox. And they're all around me when I drive through my streets and into my village. And he says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And let me just unpack that verse real quick for you. For the creation waits with eager longing. When he says the creation, he means trees. He means rivers. He means oceans. He means, he means the rains and the winds. When he says the creation, he means the horse. He means your dog. He means the hawk. They know that something is wrong in our world. I want you to think about that. You know, I got these deer. I, got, I, I talk about this all the time in our church. I got these deer. I got like, I had nine deer in my backyard eating my, my neighbor's garden. I love it. They don't. But Nine deer were in my backyard, and I want to walk to them. I want to reach out to them, and I, I want to I embrace them. I want to pet them. I want to give them belly rubs like I would a puppy or something like that, but they bolt when they see me. There's something wrong in their eyes. I drive by four or five or six horses every time I go to the church. Uh, every single day I come to work here, and what's amazing is these beautiful steeds are so restless. You know, it was windy here in Germany, and you can almost hear like the wind has voice you could almost hear the anger in the winds. I grew up on the Puget Sound, holler at me, Northwest people. And I would sit on the ocean growing up and you could almost feel the anger in the waves at times. What Paul is saying is that the natural order, the created order around us knows that something terrible has gone wrong. And it says what the created order around us is waiting for is the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. All of creation is waiting for Jesus to come back 
so we can be resurrected and they'll be set free. I mean, this is crazy if you could see what's happening in nature around us. Like all of creation waits with eager longing. That word, that term, waits with eager longing, means like a baby bird with its neck up, waiting for mom to, to feed it a, a worm. That, that's the illustration in the original language. And if you think about it, all of creation reaches towards the sun, doesn't it? Everything's pushing up. Trees and birds, everything's trying to climb to the sun. And it's like all around us, everybody knows something's broken, and we, we want the sun. It's incredible what's going on around us. The project is, is broken. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. The horses and the birds and the dogs, they didn't want this. But because of him who subjected it, because God cursed it, the world is broken. Because his justice was forced to curse the world. But Paul says in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. All of us, including all animal life, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, the hills and the mountains, the rivers and the seas, we are waiting to be set free. And everything around us will know it's time when the children of God is set free. The point Paul is saying is, hang on in the waiting, he's coming back. I don't know if I've ever believed in the second coming like I do right now. Amazing. Amazing grace. It says in verse 22, you guys good out there? We good? Wherever you're at? I say that on Sunday. I feel like I got to say it. Are you good out there? Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Isn't that a perfect illustration of our world right now? The whole creation is groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. But I love that verse because what happens after the birth pains, what happens after the labor pains is an awesome delivery of new life. And that's what it means when Jesus comes back. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, come on, Jesus, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies you know, that little, that little word there, first fruits, Paul says, you've, you've already seen the beginning of what's coming. We, we are seeing echoes of it. You know, love and peace and laughter and friendship and, and great meals and great parties. Those are echoes of what's coming when Jesus comes back. He's going to heal the worlds. And if we have started to feel Jesus in our souls now, and we start to see beauty in nature now, and we're... We're in awe because of hawks and, and deer and rivers and love and hugs and tickle tortures. Now, if we're seeing the, the tip of it now, it guarantees a breakthrough when Jesus comes. In other words, what Paul is saying is wait with patience because all the sad things are coming untrue. Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, who's in California, she's in a wheelchair. She's one of my heroes. She, uh, she broke her back or her neck when she was young and she questioned God, like, why would God, why would God do this? Until she started realizing that in the waiting, Jesus promises his return when he will make all the sad things come untrue. And she started realizing all around her, all of creation is waiting for Christ to come. And she wrote these words. Can you hear the sighing in the winds? Can you feel the heavy silence in the mountains? Can you sense the restless longing in the sea? And you see it in the woeful eyes of an animal. 
Something's coming. Something better. That's what Paul is saying to wait for. And he brings us to a second thing. I love this. He says, yeah, we are feeling birth pains now. But my friend, the delivery is coming. But he says, number two, I want you to write this down. Man, this has done wonders in our staff and in my, my, my home this week. Number two, write this down. The Holy Spirit is praying for you in the waiting. Check this out. The Holy Spirit is praying for you in the waiting. I want you to think about this. If you're in your home and you're frustrated or your kids are driving you crazy or, or your parents are driving you crazy or you're trying to figure out work and, you know, sometimes it can be hard to even pray. Uh, sometimes we get to that place and it's like, man, I don't even know how to pray for this thing anymore. But look at Romans 8, 26. Paul goes like this, likewise. I love that. He goes, there's more hope in the waiting. He goes, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And I'm like, all right, how's this work? I need you right now, Holy Spirit. You got to come for me right now. He goes like this, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And he's talking about in the suffering. He's talking about in the waiting. You know, he's like, you're pacing the house. It's like, I don't even know what to pray for right now, Jesus. Like, I'm just tired. I wish this would end. And he goes like this, when you don't know what to pray for, when you're at a place when you don't even know what to say to God, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit of Jesus begins to pray for us. Or I could even go further and say, right now, the Spirit of Christ is praying for you. The Spirit of Christ is praying to God the Father, and He is saying your name. And He knows what you're struggling with. He he knows where the pain is. Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's fear of sickness. Maybe it's, it's finances. And it's such an incredible move of grace that when we don't even know how to pray, the Spirit goes, look, I love you, I got this. And the Spirit of Jesus begins to speak to the Father. And he says in verse 27, look at how interwoven the Holy Spirit is with God the Father. And he who searches hearts, the heart searcher, that's God the Father, knows what is the mind of the Holy Spirit's. Because the Spirit intercedes for us. So the Spirit feels our pain and He feels our ache. And He begins to speak to the Father. And the Father knows exactly what the Spirit is going to say. And all of a sudden this move starts happening in heaven. While we wait, God is at work. And I love that word. He intercedes for us. He's not not just praying lullabies. He's, He's interceding. It means... To super pray. That's what it means in, in the Greek. He goes, like he's, he's leaping over your, your pain. He's overwhelming that which overwhelms you. Someone ought to comment that right there. He's overwhelming that which overwhelms you. And, and I was thinking about this this week. I was talking to our team about this. I go like this. I wonder if many of us should have buckled by now. But the Holy Spirit's prayers are overwhelming what's about to overwhelm us. He's literally keeping us afloat right now. That's incredible stuff. Robert Murray McShane, he's from me homelands. He's a Scottish pastor. He's with the Lord now. He's doing better than us right now. But he was talking about how close Christ is 
and how Christ, the Spirit of Christ, is praying for you right now. And I, before I read this quote, even visualize it right now. Even say your name and, and just think about this. Right now, the Spirit of Christ, the one who went over the chaos of the world in the book of Genesis, and he put chaos into order, he is speaking your name to the Father and saying, this, this person needs this more than than anything right now. And the Father is answering the prayer of the Holy Spirit and keeping you afloat right now. Robert Murray McShane said these words, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance makes no difference. He is here praying for me right now. Number three, God is forcing the evil to work for our good in the waiting. Write that down. Put that in the comments. Send that to someone. Tweet that. God is forcing. Guys, listen to what I said right there. God is forcing the evil to work for our good in the waiting. Romans 8, 28. We know this verse. We could, always, we could, we could, we could all quote this verse. And we know that for those who love God. And really what that means is for all those who are saved, that's, that's what it means. All things work together for good. There's, there's nothing going on that God does not take and say, I'm sorry, I, I know you meant it for evil. I, I know it looks like evil. I don't care. I'm going to overwhelm it and I'm going to spin it and I'm going to make it good for this person. We know that all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, we got to slow down right there because that's coffee mug stuff. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And we go, yeah. But what does that actually mean? Does that mean God is going to, to, to prosper us? Is, is God going to make sure we're perfectly healthy? I don't know. I, I certainly hope so. But if you go on to verse 29, we, we begin to understand what the good is. What is God doing with all that we are going through now? How is he turning it into good? What, what does good look like? He says in verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also pre-plans to conform us into the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The, the good purpose that he draws out of the evil is to make us like Jesus Christ. He's using viruses and the loss of income and, and the loss of jobs and, and the chaos in our world. He's taking those poisons and he's saying, I am doing things in your soul through this to make you like my son. I am forcing all things to transform your soul into the image of Jesus Christ. God is forcing our suffering to work for him as he uses it to make us like Christ, our greatest joy. And I say this with a quivering lip and clenched teeth. That anything that makes this dark soul like the Son of God is a painful gift of grace. All that has gone wrong in our worlds, all of our sin, God enslaves to work for our transformation. You know, we, we often say that God, 
God is never late. Yeah, we like that, right? God is never late. But he isn't early either. (laughs) He isn't early either. Why? Because he uses times of waiting to bring about change and growth in our lives that nothing else could do the work. Let me wrap this up with a, a quick story. We, we had a prayer meeting with our staff this week. We had several, and, and we brought our team together, well, six feet together or whatever. We're all spread out in this room. We're all praying together, and uh, we got this awesome uh, young lady who works for us, and uh, we were just going around the room, and, and we were reading Scripture, and we were talking about Romans 8, and, and uh, you could see God was really moving. I'm going to get choked up <laughs> telling this story. You can see that God was really moving in her heart. And she just burst out. We're just all talking about like what this coronavirus has done to us and all this stuff. And she's a quiet girl and an awesome girl, but she just burst forth and, and she starts tearing up in the middle of this, this time of prayer. And she goes, man, I don't know how to explain this. I'm not celebrating anybody being hurt or anybody dying or anything else. But she goes, I cannot tell you through this crazy time what God has done in my soul. He has reawakened me and and drawn me to himself. It's been absolutely amazing what he's done. And she goes, I don't know how to say this. I want the world to heal and and I want things to be made right, but I don't ever want to be the same again. I'm wrecked in a new way for God. For that, I thank God for what he's done. He is so in the waiting. And if you're listening to my voice somewhere in the world, if you're not a Christian, maybe he's waiting for you to be saved. Maybe that's why Jesus has not come back yet. Because he's patiently giving you an opportunity this, this day to come to him. And if there's ever a time to get serious about your soul, it's now. We see the brevity and the shortness of life. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Or let me put it the old-fashioned way. If you died today, if you took your last breath, do you know you have peace with God? Would you wake up in glory? If you don't know, I invite you where you sit to believe in who Jesus is to turn from rejecting him and to call on him to forgive you of your sins and to save you. Let me pray for us. Father, if there's anybody out there listening to this sermon who doesn't know you as Savior, I pray right now they would pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins and save me. All over the world, I I pray people would pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins and save me. And Father, for us who know you, you are not still in the waiting. You are moving and you are working. You You are preparing the second coming of the Son of God. And Holy Spirit, you are praying powerful prayers to keep us afloat. And Father, you are transforming our very souls through that which this world calls evil. Thank you for the invincibility of the gospel. 
Father, help us to treasure these truths. Strengthen us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this is your first time joining us online, please head over to our website linked below and say hi. We'd love to meet you. If you would like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash about forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. And please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We really hope you were blessed by our podcast. We'll see you next week.